Do you want to talk about how you're feeling right now? Oh, so many questions. What does this mean? What do I do? <laughs> Go on! Tell them what you think! I liked it. I think your calculations may have been off. I think it's all right. I just have a lot of feelings. This pleases me. These are perfectly normal feelings. Do you even know what you sound like when you talk like that? Now, shall we begin? Excuse me, what is all this stuff? Fluid viewing system. We just got them. You use it when you have to really go deep into discerning what's worth watching. How discerning? Deeply discerning. How discerning? It's classified. Anyway, you breathe liquid judgment so you don't feel like you have to watch everything. The pressure doesn't get to you. You won't need a list to keep track of what's next. You mean you got fluid in your lungs? Oxygenated anti-candy corn emulsion. Bullshit! Check this out. Can I borrow your Drew? Oh, what are you doing? Hey, no, 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 you're gonna kill him! It's okay, I've done this myself. Oh man, you're just suggesting that he finds something to put on TV. He needs his watch list. He's gonna be fine. I've breathed this myself. It's gonna be fine. No, man, no, no, he's gonna drown. Look, you're freaking him out. He, he needs his list. He's just going through a normal adjustment period. Normal? Does, does this look normal to you? He's gonna drown. Uh, he just rented a movie. He's gonna watch it right now. His viewing schedule doesn't allow that for weeks. He's taking the sound judgment into his lungs. He's taking the fluid into his lung. He's realizing you can't watch everything. There he goes. Still a little anxiety there. Now he's starting to relax. He's breathing fine. See his chest moving. He's getting plenty of entertainment, even without his list. Ha! That damn Drew's breathing that shit. That is no bullshit. Hands down, the goddamnedest thing I ever saw. See, the fluid is harder to push in and out than air. It's a little more work to view worthwhile content. But he's doing fine. See, he just started tweeting. He's digging it. He's doing it. <laughs> he ain't digging it. All right, let him out now. Now. All right. All right. Okay. Now we let the fluid drain from his lungs. There we go. All right. Give him here. Give him, give him here. Here's your Drew. See, he's fine. He's a podcast host. <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the uh, Real Feels podcast, uh, where we do a different movie of a different genre, Fortnightly. 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 And tonight's genre out of the ye old Bilbo grab baggins was Ocean slash Deep Sea. And uh, I only had to think about 30 seconds uh, before coming to the logical conclusion that where the feels lie, deep, deep down, in 1989's The Abyss. Roll it. It began two years ago in an unfinished nuclear power plant. It became one of the most challenging motion pictures ever made. And on August 9th, the most original adventure of the summer will begin at theaters everywhere. From James Cameron, the writer and director of The Terminator and Aliens, comes The Abyss.
God, I hate that bitch. Probably shouldn't have married her then, huh? Hang on, gentlemen. looks and he sees hate and fear you have to look with better eyes than that talk to me bud please do you hear me he's coming up fast So uh, I'm assuming we've all seen this one, yes? Not a long time. It, it has yes. been a while. Yeah, it's been a while, but yes, I have seen it. So this was one of the few movies that I remember the entire family going to see. My mom, my dad, my sister, and I, we all went to a Saturday matinee. and Because usually they would split us up. Like, you know, dad would take us to this or mom would take us to that. But this was one of the few occasions, besides, I think... Batman and Ghostbusters and Look Who's Talking too, that we mm. all saw this together and I was like and that's for for being what 1989 I would have been uh, 7 years old this movie two and a half hours long I was enthralled like there was no fucking around there was no I have to use the bathroom every 5 minutes this movie and it still is it is engaging and just edgy your seat thrills it's a really engaging film. And I mean, considering 1989, like they were doing things that you hadn't seen in films before, especially with films that are tackling underwater sequences. I mean, having synced voices when they're actually talking. Yeah, they had to invent technology yeah, they had just to invent for technology. this movie. Exactly. The suits that they made for the actual recording was done purposely for the film. The set Good God. Finding the location for the set. I mean, it's it's a fascinating story to get a post or sorry, a abandoned mid-construction nuclear reactor in North Dakota. No, it's North Carolina. North Carolina. Okay, sorry. North was right. So but I mean, still an abandoned mid-construction nuclear reactor. They fixed it up, filled it with 
11 million gallons of water. Took days to fill it. Five days. Uh, I mean, that's it's crazy. It's crazy to think exactly what went into making this making this movie, what the actors had to go through, which personally, from what I've read, what I've read and and seen was a freaking nightmare. And not only did some actors and even James Cameron himself, multiple people, actors, actresses, stunt people, uh, and there weren't a lot of stunt people like the scene where Virgil is dragging Lindsay back, you know, she's drowned and he's dragging her back to be resuscitated. That is actually um, Ed Harris dragging Mary Elizabeth Master Antonio. Like, that, those aren't stunt people. There are very few stunt people, but they almost drowned several times. James Cameron several drowned times. because somebody gave him a uh, non-functioning regulator. Mm-hmm. Ed Harris uh, was also given an upside-down regulator during one scene and, I guess, burst into tears on his way home that night. They called it Son of the Abyss. and Or the Abuse. The Abuse. Um, several of the actors, like, stormed off of the set during oh, yeah. the production. Uh, and it's no wonder that James Cameron, you know, he usually keeps similar actors and actresses in his movies. How you didn't really see uh, the the same crew after the <laughs> abyss because nobody wanted to work with him. No, it man, some of the stuff again, just man, just the training that they had to go through. Like Ed Harris, by the time that this movie came out, he was literally like a certified professional diver. Everyone had to go through all this training beforehand, even when they got to uh, to North Carolina and they started shooting, they had to go through training again. And it's even uh, accounted to the fact of testimonials where that training was probably one of the only times that the cast truly had fun, like <laughs> during this recording, because the time that it took for them to make sure everything was ready, they had to make sure that all of the oxygen tanks were there. All the refilling stations were there. The safety crew was there. The set was ready. The radio that went into the helmets was actually at one point only one way. So he could hear the actors, but the actors couldn't hear him. They went off hand signals. Like, it took so long for them to film. Michael Bean had even said that he was only there, or sorry, he had been there for five months and he only did three weeks of shootings. Yeah, they and, covered the yeah. uh, the top of the reservoir, the uh, the tank that they were filming in, with you know tens of thousands of black floating balls. Yep. That uh, so that is the ambient light that was down there, and forty percent of the movie was shot in Under water. Uh, it's it's incredible, Nathan. What's your what's your take on this? When when did the abyss crop up? When do you remember seeing it? So I didn't get this in the 90s i got this right in the early 2000s i think paul had a vhs copy like we rented it from um one of our local tvs you know like little uh blockbuster we, did, we, we didn't have no, we didn't have blockbuster we just had <laughs> like mom family and, family yeah, video valley public video <laughs> rob's video palace i think is what is, uh one of them was called <laughs> and damn corner anyways so yeah we I remember Paul rented it, and he's like, oh, dude, this is such a good movie. I can't wait to, to watch this. He's like, you, you can't watch it, though. What the heck? Like, I can watch it. I'm, I'm, he's like, no, 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 you're, you're too squeamish. What? I'm like, you're such a jerk. I'm hip. I'm with it. He's like, all right, fine, you can watch a little bit of it. And so we, we, wa- we watched the whole thing, and I just remember, my, I think my strongest memory from it was, how did they do this? Like, 
how and he said like well duh nathan like they were underwater i'm like well no 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 like <laughs> our, like i don't understand any like none of that world made sense to me about how these things all right okay naval movies bit i understand you know airplanes i understand water world i understand water world more than i understand the abyss like you know what i mean like i understand that there have something that goes down super super deep that is not just crushed like a little soda can and that can you know all these different little apparatuses it, it is space underwater it's like they're in a starship yeah i mean this exactly. is it is it is a space adventure just in liquid it is Which, totally 100%. But I almost wonder if that makes it more, not challenging, obviously it's more challenging filming-wise, because space, you just put people on wires, you know, and and kind of, all right, pretend you're in space. Like, you know, no, no one's been in space. Like, we're good. Like, you know, no one, none of us have been in space. We've all been underwater, so we all know the effects of being under just like six feet of water being hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of feet underwater, the pressure and coming up and having to uh, depressurize mm -hmm. and your you can't go too fast and shit coming down at you. There are so many parts of this movie that this movie deals with that I almost don't fully understand. And so the anxiety level was up. And it stayed up because I was just like, I don't even know what the fuck. I don't. How do they get out of here? What? How are they even surviving? Where's the oxygen? You know, this is Apollo thirteen level shit, but on a whole other plane. Where I'm like, oh yeah, like they only have this little capsule to live in. Well, the the it, the setup is so convincing yeah. uh, that yes. that after I had graduated from uh, college and I was bartending down in Panama City Beach. Uh, one of the other bartenders was an ex-Navy guy, and he was a diver. And we were working like a slow Sunday afternoon shift. And uh, I was asking him about his work, and I was like, "So, like those, like those installations underwater, like what's it like? You know, have you ever been down that deep?" And and he's like, "Oh, you've seen the abyss. Yeah, that's not real. Like that." Those types of the, the stuff that they describe, like that's not a thing. That's just a very convincing movie. And even in my twenties, I kind of felt like an idiot. Like Cameron, you got me, you son of a bitch. But you uh, and George Lucas, I swear. <laughs> George I mean, Lucas. A, lo a lot of things, like but, you said, Jack, uh, like were, they were incredibly convincing. And much like you said, like it's it's like they're in space, as Nathan attributed. I mean, if you were to almost just say like that, the oil rig was a less advanced nostromos i would buy it a hundred percent totally the the shape of it the look of it how it's shot when it's when they're sort of like towing right. it towards the, towards the, the, uh, the, yep. the crash site no i i 100 uh agree with that and one of the other sort of things that that uh that that gets me this is a movie and we've talked about this before that is in that perfect goldilocks mm. zone of the mid to late 80s and the early to mid 90s where you have this wonderful marriage of the best practical effects that which money it can buy an Oscar for. which it did uh, and groundbreaking CGI right. which they shot those scenes first so they could give industrial light and magic enough to time tweak it 
to render the you know the uh, the water coming out of the moon pool, and they had even shot some extra scenes to replace that in case the effect didn't turn out. But it turned out so wonderful that you know this movie is is what over thirty years old mm-hmm. at this point. It still holds it up. Oh yeah. And even in its like, you know, the letterbox, we, I, I couldn't get a letterbox version. I couldn't find one and I wasn't going to drop the money on it. But even in the, the form that was on Amazon Prime, it's still a gorgeous and uh, just really uh, intrepid piece of filmmaking. Cinematography, special effects, acting, just the oh, whole yeah. shebang. Before, and I feel like this is before Cameron got like a little bit too high and mighty. Well, I mean, he's coming off of doing Terminator, Terminator and like Jack and I like have a huge favor for it. I'm not sure about Nathan, but we absolutely love Aliens. And much like T2, you yes, much like T2, yes. you have a sequel that is far better. Not far better, but I mean, it exceeds it in, in, in multiple ways uh, than the original, much like T2. But. I don't know if he's getting a little too big for his britches at this point. I think he's very, I think Not he's very at this confident. Point. I think Afterwards. he's very confident with what he's doing right yeah. now. And this was, I mean, it was, it was a smart way to film it. It was, uh, like we said, it was, it was hell to film, but it was a smart way to film it. They're not filming entirely on water. Thanks, Waterworld. But it, it, he, he did a great <laughs> job with it. And I mean, he even looks back and he says, I probably shouldn't have done some things. <laughs> Yeah. So critically, uh, the budget was uh, between 43 to 47 million, uh, which made it for its time one of the most expensive movies, uh, you know, up to that point. Box office, it made just about double that back 90 million worldwide. So was it a success? Studios would probably say no, not really, not when you figure in, you know, other considerations, but it stood the test of time as far as being just extremely watchable and compelling the 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 resuscitation scene heavy uh is like hey, dude that is intense and for the for the life of me i kept trying to figure out because again it's been a while since i've seen this and like i was telling nathan i i couldn't identify michael bean for half a second i kept thinking like is that cypher is it's the only time no. he's bad uh, okay that's not that's not entirely true so i for i uh. Up I for to half that a point. second thought he was like the actor who portrayed Cypher from Matrix, and I'm like, you kind of look like Cypher. And then I realize it's <laughs> no, right. it's not and then Joey I Pants. Like, You're not Cypher. You're Ringo from Tombstone. And I'm like, I knew, I knew why I knew you. And Mary Elizabeth Master Antonio, Master Antonio, I was like, where do I know that face? Where do I know that face? And if anybody out there is a fan of Grimm, she plays, she plays uh, uh, the Grimm. I can't remember the main character guy, but she plays the mom. She plays the mama Grimm or, of course, Maid Marian in uh, Robin Hood. She was also Scarface's sister, uh, Al Pacino's sister in Scarface. She does Uh, phenomenal in that role. In the end, when like she's like um, just like is broken by him because he kills her lover. Like, yeah, yeah. But though. Though I agree with you, Nathan, but on watching that, we just recently rewatched it. I guess the political correctness is that she's in brownface for that Uh movie. So I don't like it's still good, but at the same time, like I don't think we would have been able to get away with that today. But you are right, one hundred percent. Okay, I I really wanted to hit on the the chemistry that the two have, even if it's not 
like, oh man, I think in real life they really have a thing. Like, no, 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 no. They act so well, passionately, even maybe even not like in love, like, like, man, like I just want to like fuck you. Not like like just like how <laughs> caring they are of each other, of like of come on down to my pump station. <laughs> Like when he's he tells her like no 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 put the you know put the suit on and she's like no 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 this is the only way mm. and when she's freaking out and like oh my god like I'm gonna die oh all right all right all right, all right. Here. Just listen to me for one second. Now you've got the suit on, and you're a much better swimmer than I am, right? Yeah, maybe. Right? Just yes. Me. So I've got a plan. What's the plan? I drowned and you tow me back to the rig. No. No. Yes, this water. No. Only a couple of degrees above freezing. I go into deep hypothermia. My blood will go like ice water. Right? My body systems will slow down. They won't stop. Then... You tow me back and I can, I can be revived after... Maybe 10 or 15 minutes. Lynch, put this on. Minutes. You put no, it on. It's the only way. You just put this on. Oh, my. This it's is it's very idea. believable. It, it's it's very believable. believable. And Ed Harris says at one point, like, I just need a fucking crescent wrench. And the scene before when he was riding on top of her submersible, he opened up the tool compartment to grab out the rope. And there was yeah. a crescent wrench. So, like, they, they drop all these little things. When he throws the ring in the toilet, he thinks better of it. He retrieves out of the chemical toilet. That ring saves his life because it stops the door. I want to know what that ring door. is made of. Well, no, my buddy Rob, <laughs> uh, he he works uh, as, as an aircraft mechanic and does a lot of machining. Uh, and his wedding ring is tungsten. And, uh, and a metal like that could stand up to, to the that sort of pressure without bending like gold. your uh your okay. your met your gold alloy or silver alloys would uh, but it saves his life i mean the fact that he still he still has it on i mean he's still wearing it the entire time like before we even see him throw in the toilet and she's getting on the horn and she's kind of barking at him and he's like oh my god i Man. hate this bitch oh well i guess you shouldn't have married her then i like like he has but such even- disdain for her but you know it's also like hiding love, but he's still wearing the ring, and he has been wearing the Even ring. Even when she's dead and he just goes, you know, God damn it, you bitch. Like, he's oh, so... You've never backed away anything in your life. Which is honest, I, like, rehearing that line, I'm like, holy shit, how is this not in, like, one... In the category of, like, best love lines ever, like... The like, God damn it, you bitch, or fuck you, bitch, let's work this out. Like, that yeah. kind of caliber of like, that's so good. This is so true. You never gave up on anything in your life. Fight, fight, fight. And he's just screaming. And that's like, and you know, the more you hear it, you realize, like, that's where that is from. And you, it like, just like, you know, fight, fight, and just slapping her left and right. And I mean, I don't know if it was just like a a work of the camera or they even worked in the fact that like, as soon as she started taking her breath, like the complexion came back, but it, it, I mean, it was so smooth that like her skin started getting flush again and she started getting a little color, but man, yeah, that scene is just, that scene's super intense. That scene when she's about to drown, I mean, Ed Harris just screaming into his helmet. Yeah. I mean, I mean, and for them to just portray like 
frigid, nearly freezing water, despite the fact that everything was heated to 85 degrees for the actors. Yes. Everything sold. Yeah, and, everything and, sold. And so, the, again, talking about Ed Harris, the scene where the the crew of the Deep Core is watching him swim with her body uh. towards the station, and he's telling them, like, they got to get the med bay, they got to get the hot packs and the adrenaline and the defibrillator, the defibrillator and everything going. Like, he's frantically swimming because... He also has to get Mary Elizabeth's Master Antonio to the rescue diver that is just beyond the camera so he can start feeding her breaths of oxygen again. Like the intensity is is real and it comes right. through in this movie. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, a little bit before uh, we got on, Drew and I were talking about the the magic that is Ed Harris and Michael Bean because later on in their film history, we get a reversal where Ed Harris is the military bad guy and Michael Bean is the military good guy in the shower scene of The Rock. Drew, roll that footage. <laughs> Winners go home and fuck the prom queen. The prom queen. Carla was the prom queen. You're entering to the shower room, sir. securing the area. Just sit tight. Drop your weapon! Drop him! Stand back! Hold your fire! Drop your weapon! Hold your fire! It's a fucking trap. This is General Hummel. Drop your weapons. Drop them! Anderson here, General Hummel. Commander. Team leader. Commander Anderson, if you have any concern for the lives of your men, you will order them to safety their weapons and place them on the deck. This is not happening. Sir, we know why you're out here. God knows I agree with you. But like you, I swore to defend this country against all enemies, foreign, sir. And domestic. General, we've spilled the same blood in the same mud. You know goddamn well I can't get that order. We're dead. Your unit is covered from an elevated position, Commander. I'm not gonna ask again. Don't do anything stupid. No one has to die here. Man following the general, you're under oath as United States Marines. Have you forgotten that? Shipmates, we remember. Some of them were shit on and pissed on by the Pentagon. But that doesn't give you the right to mutiny! You call it what you want! You're down there, we're up here! You walk into the wrong goddamn room, Commander! Goddamn it, Commander, one last time. You tell your men to safety their weapons, drop them on the deck. I cannot give that order! I am not gonna repeat that order! I will not give that order! What the hell is wrong with you, man? Stand fast! Foreign and domestic. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, Michael Bede also James Cameron with Terminator, yes. the first Terminator. And also he played the uh, the standout role he in Aliens. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, which I mean, yeah. I'm just I'm always so pissed that he was not in in uh, Aliens 3. Uh, but that's another another discussion for another day. But another I discussion. always loved Michael Bean, and he just sort of like dropped off the map after Tombstone. Like you didn't see like him do a whole lot after like the you do see him a little bit in uh, the Mandalorian, which is kind of nice. Just like it, just a in one episode, you're, 
Yeah, little, little oh, yeah. there you are. Oh, there you are, Peter. <laughs> oh, oh, Michael <laughs> Bean. Oh, oh, touch him. There oh, smell are, him. Oh. <laughs> I mean, he went on to do things like, you know, like the, the TV show for the Magnificent Seven. What else? He did... Uh, grind. He did those like Grindhouse and Planet Terror films. I like those. Yeah, yeah those weren't those weren't too bad. Um, everything else that I'm kind of seeing with his IMDb, it's I don't know. It's really just he started doing a lot of voice acting, and he did a lot of voice acting for, of course, Alien video games. Mm-hmm. And that's now, yeah, that's kind of really of the it. cast that is in the boat in or in the in the water in yeah deep deep core. core. Can we say semi forgettable? Not no shade thrown at them, but they don't really. None of them really go on to do much. Yeah, you know, hippie. They've got great names. Yeah, hippie, one night stand, Tex. Yeah, catfish. Okay. Uh, you know, they're they're likable. Uh, but uh, oddly enough, we've got Chris Elliott up on the uh, the mothership, which I I think that's just that's bizarre casting, but I still I still a little bit enjoy it. And then we've got uh, Doctor mm-hmm. Kelso himself, Ken Jenkins, up there as well as sort of like the like one of the executives or owners of the Deep Core Station. Hi, yeah, my name is Bob Kelso, and I like whores. Now, why don't I introduce myself like that? Because there is a time and a place for the truth. Oh, I was going to say, if anybody is a fan of like Supernatural, which I know probably a good portion people might be. I thought that Leo Burmester, who plays Catfish, okay, I the entire time kept seeing his face and I kept seeing Jim Beaver from Supernatural. And I'm like, is that Bobby? Is that Bobby? And I'm like, no, but they look incredibly similar. Chris Elliott is in this uh, a very. Didn't I say that or? Oh, you, you probably. Yeah, you already did. Yeah, Okay. I didn't know if I'd mispronounced the name or something. No, you're good. You're good. Uh, no, no. Hit me. Hit me with Chris Elliott. Hit me! Cabin boy! <laughs> uh, but yeah, the rest of the cast are not necessarily big swings or anything that it really goes on. But they're likable. And they, they do right. the job well. Like, you know, Jammer is is out for most of the movie after the uh the rescue or attempted rescue or investigation of the crashed submarine but he sort of saves the day <laughs> i don't remember putting a wall when here <laughs> when, yeah when, when he uh, helps take out or uh some of the the navy seals and then tex you know talking about his his you know his his fist of dynamite or whatever he they used to call he, this the hammer. he lays uh coffee michael bean's character the fuck out right during that great fight scene between him and ed harris in the the moon pool that's such a tension like like tension wrenching he, he's clicking he's just, the the he's chains just clicking the chains just clicking and you know like his eye like his you know tentative little like paranoid eye movement is kind of like oh he's behind me Okay. Well, I'm just going to lay here and wait. <laughs> On my first watch, I kind of was like, I don't think Michael Bean's doing a very good job. On my second mm-hmm. watch, because like, okay, when I first rewatched it, I was like, all right, is this selling like this character? Like, is he selling the character or is he is he doing it a little bit too over the top of like he's panicked or, you know, just not... 
it's just not landing. I mean, as somebody well, who's supposed to be experiencing psychosis, ex- I right, think he does the, he, and the decompression a pretty sickness. good job. The second, like the yeah, one the scene where watch. he's like he's cutting his arm under the table. I I thought he he did a convincing role, and he even grew that mustache so he would look more sort of intense and villainous for the movie. Uh, and, I think I think it worked. And out nicely. they they originally the studios didn't want to hire Ed Harris uh, because of his receding hairline, Aww. and James Cameron insisted on it because it gave Ed Harris that sort of everyman feel that like well, you which, know, fucking Arnold Schwarzenegger yeah. isn't going to be fucking down in a fucking submersible oil rig. Uh, right, and that's the whole reason but why Ed he Harris made it fucking yeah. is. It's supposed to like the original short story that that James Cameron wrote for the you know, that the screenplay was adapted by. It was supposed to be naval like scientists down there. But he's like, no, nah, that's not as relatable. We're putting oil rig workers because, as Jack said, like they are the everyman. They are incredibly more relatable. And I, I think that's better. Yeah, I it, think it's better for it. It is. You know, it's it's you know, you've got one night stand who's one of the uh, the submersible drivers. You've I got like Hippie who's sort of like the technician, the the gadget mouse. guy with the the with big geek and little geek and he's got his mouse. You've got Tex where they got who, it from uh, for Matrix? No. No. You got Tex, you got Jammer, like these are like salt of the earth, like basically blue collar workers. On the bottom of the ocean. think about it. Like, everyone else, Morpheus, Trinity, Nia, all these names have, like, places in, you know, in... We've talked about the Matrix. Mouse, though, is just very, like... Yeah, because he's, like, little, like, mousy, but... He is the kind of a technician. I I think that's really it. He has a mouse. Like, I don't don't know. I feel like it's there. Well, Well, you wouldn't want a cat down there. Right. Uh, I think he's like small, for obvious reasons. And very, yeah. You wouldn't want a dog down there. The, about all the only pet you could bring, you couldn't bring a bird unless you want to keep it caged. No, no, I'm, would be I'm just saying that a pet rat or a hamster. Could or a you imagine pig a something. bird squawking all the time, echoing down. throughout the entire? Like, <laughs> yeah, I, if hippie was rolling around with a parrot on his shoulder, that'd be way too pirate, and that would have ruined it. <laughs> but uh, so, as far as the progression of the movie. You know, it's got a great, great start. You know, you've got the crashing of the sub uh, due to encountering the extraterrestrial or or, or uh, not terrestrial, non-terrestrial intelligence, NTI. But not really, I don't think the, the ETs or NTI had, had meant for that to happen. They go and they explore the wreckage, hoping that they're going to find it. They lose contact with the surface. They go get the new, the SEALs, hijack one of the submersibles, get the nuclear warhead. There's the the tension, the the, the station almost you know getting dragged off into the, oh. the, the abyss itself. The only thing that this movie didn't stick was the landing. Mm, it yeah, the ending is a bit like okay, that's sort of preachy, and that's sort of like all right. It, it's it's more it's weird how like you know the aliens obviously showcase the ability where it's like hey, we can kill you, but we're not going to. Why don't you guys work your shit out? Not only that, but like so, there's a lot of movies that I would put in a category called life goes on. Movies that where afterwards, <laughs> la, 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 nothing fucking song. really changes. Like those lives may be changed a little bit, but realistically, on a whole, there's nothing that like, you know, breaks the the mold or, you know, it changes everything. Everything gets wrapped up. Nice, pretty bow and life 
goes on. This, this opens a whole fucking can of worms of, wait a minute, there's aliens. And then they kiss and it's over. Right. It's like, it's like no one's, no one's going to be investigating the fact that we have aliens down at the bottom of the ocean. And and, no one's, no one's going to try and even question like, oh, we didn't decompress. And we who, should be dead. who's to say that they are not from another world? Who's to say they, that isn't just another race of intelligence? That have been hiding. Like, this is Atlantis. Yeah. Atlantis basically. has been hiding all this time. Like, I, I, it's, all- a, it's a possibility. There's ambiguity there. Yeah. It could go one way or no, the other. No, of course. Of course. Uh, I mean, like, the, all the neon fish that we see are like drift off species from actually theirs. Yeah. But, they but uh, it- there, is, there is a. Go ahead. Uh, just they end it with like a very Star Warsy like like oh yup yup like they're all like hundaloop de la yup yup each other's heads and noogies like ah you know one for the money what one of the the bioluminescent aliens is 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 you know playing the drums on the diving helmets in the background. So there is there is another version. There is a special edition or a director's cut. It was not available to stream, and I think Drew would agree that the the price tag for it on Amazon was a little bit cost prohibitive. For like, I like the Abyss. I don't like sixty dollars worth of the Abyss or or you know something like that. But there is more content that basically it expands the tension, the Cold War tension between the U.S. and Russia. And then the aliens actually send out like giant tsunamis to wipe out coastal cities. That's that's the we could kill you, but we're not going to. But they stop it when when Virgil defuses the bomb. And then, you know, the scene at the end where they they are showing his his script that he had typed back, like, you know, love you wife. Like they stop the tsunamis and they're showing Virgil the tsunamis and he's like, well, what's going on? And that's where you get like, love you wife. And we, we did it because you're a good species after all. And and maybe a little, but again, that still doesn't help the overall ending. There, with there being yeah. no communication between this creature, you know, these aliens and Virgil or anyone, it does. They're waving. Yeah, but like, there's no. Um, there is cocking you the head moment of negotiation, or like blinking a little. Uh, it, hell, first contact. Uh, you know, Karen talks more with. Uh, <laughs> Where's Live Zephyrin Cochran when we need a God, Zephyrin Cochran? You know what, Cochran? You don't, you don't even have to go into space. You just got to go underwater. He's like, <laughs> did you just, did you? Because you guys know like, Star all, Trek fan is doing it. <laughs> if my chest had been that's a cannon, it would have shot all, my heart upon the beast. The Vulcan, live long and prosper. And then he like tries <laughs> to do it. <laughs> and put her there. <laughs> yeah, put her there, guy. Let's drink it some It took me 12 tequila. months just to scrap enough titanium just to build a six-meter cockpit. <laughs> First contact. <laughs> this father, no father. We draw the line in the sand. That's yeah. one of the only movies that I can quote for you guys. If you start doing... <laughs> the, the, that, the, as far as the, the next-gen movies, that is my favorite. That I, I'm happy to watch First Contact at the drop of the hat. Hell, I may watch that tonight after the wife goes to bed. A couple of go. lines from Next Generations. His name is James D. Kirk. Don't you read history? Uh, about it. That's about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. So, uh, 
Yeah, what else? What else we got here? <laughs> I think the idea where, like, they're sneaking around, and obviously sneaking. we've... No. It's sneaking? Michael Bean's character just, like, okay, we, we went off mission. We went diving again without permission. We took a nuclear missile. Let's bring it back on board. And the entire time, I mean, it's... I know Lindsay has this, like, sense of ownership, and she rightfully does. But it almost gets to the point where you're like, shut up. Shut up, shut up, shut up. My rig. My rig. Mine, mine, mine. But, man, again, it's to the paranoia of, like, how Nathan was like, I didn't really believe it the first time. Second time, I'm on board. I mean, his entire time, like, you're watching him, you're like, what does he have behind him? And then you realize it's a gun. And he's, like, stupid paranoid when, like, the water... You know, elemental like comes. You can into see the... the fear when uh, he closes the oh. door on it, and he like collapses back, and he's and he's fucking having like, a freak out, right? And like she goes in his face, she's like, "Who thinks that was a Russian water creature? No one." Okay, <laughs> a couple things because like he's he's kind of he's out of his element in terms of like he obviously has orders. He has no communication to like those orders and it's just kind of acting on it's like, a crimson tide the situation hip. they're fueling their missiles <laughs> <laughs> i need those cons <laughs> the alien design it's it's kind of weird because you you're almost seeing like the first thing that's like floating around and zipping and, and zagging. It's almost like their version of their little like underwater camera that's kind of like floating around. But for some reason, it's like everything goes dark. That's electronic. That's like our technology. So it's almost like emitting like a random like EM impulse when it go when it comes near something. Mm-hmm. But like when it goes behind her and it's just like floating there and you're just looking at it, it and you're just they, like, it is beautiful. It's they're, a beautiful thing. The creatures thing. are beautiful. Right. It's a beautiful thing. And I like the fact that it's it's self it's it is a bit like self-reflective of our knowledge of like what is actually in the ocean. Like when the creature finally come when one of the creatures finally comes to Ed Harris and like reaches out its hands, you're looking at it and you're like, this looks like a manta ray. <laughs> this looks like something that we understand and know. And but that little zippity doodah, you know, flying thing that goes so around the, the zippity doodah. And that's the scene where Lindsay is is trying to hook up the uh, like right. the extra oxygen tanks because they're running out of O2. Like it's almost like when um, like the neighbors have got some fucked up shit going on down the street. And you're like, I'm going to take the dog for a walk. <laughs> Like the little zippity guys, like the dog, like, hey, what's going on? What's going on here? And then here comes like the mothership sort of like, what the fuck are you people doing up here? <laughs> it's like, get, it's almost like, you know, like a uh, battery's not included. Bitch, what do I got to come up here and check out what's going on? <laughs> you want me to take up your garbage cans? I'll pull your garbage cans up. They've been out there three days. <laughs> oh, yeah. Segments. Segments. Why not? Segments. Segments. Oh, it's just it's worse every time. <laughs> All right. The uh, the first segment is wedding ring plus toilet equals blue hand. Uh, while the story is upfront at the beginning that Virgil Lindsay's relationship is strained, by the end you realize that the couple was able to put aside their disagreements uh, once all the cards were down. Have you ever had a similar friendship or relationship moment, an occasion that made you want to toss the proverbial wedding ring in the chemical toilet? I will take this one. Now, 
this is something that I have very much put aside, but it not it hasn't really been discussed at length with the other individual. Now they will hear this, and I full frontally just like want to put out there and just say, "Oh, Cody, I love you." <laughs> But there, there was a moment where a night that had gone from podcast recording into hanging out and drinks into a, a, a booze ambush into like into like more drinks for you and everybody left and and we were hanging out and we were having a good time we were talking and whatnot but it's just like come out and have a drink with me come outside. No, Cody, I, I, I'm i good. I want to go to bed. What's this shit you post on Facebook? Because no, like, I don't care about your life. I don't want to see that on my Facebook. And I'm just like, and I'm like, <sighs> where's the fucking money? Cody was the Ed Harris of The Rock where, stare down, Mick Captain. And, and Drew's <laughs> shower and going like, so. <laughs> no, and I think like after that, like, it was just like, it was a weird tension thing like when i when i said like no like i want to go to bed and he eventually left and i'm like god he's mad at me i'm like why am i like why am i scared if cody's mad at me like i didn't do anything but yeah like that was a moment where i'm like man i don't know if he really meant things like that but i also know that like going into like any type of situation with cody like you got to take certain things that cody says with a grain of salt and again I, I adore Cody as a person. I think he's a genuine. I think he's probably one of the most genuine individuals that I know. And I just I just think you just got to understand, like, no filter, no filter. I don't think he intentionally tries to be cruel or anything. I think some things can come off that way. But like, man, that was a, that was a strenuous night where I'm just like, OK, well, I'm not going to message him. We'll see if he messages. Despite the fact that I had his phone uh, and. <laughs> I don't know. It was just it was a weird it was a weird moment. And at that point, like after it was all done, I'm just like, you know what? Why would I even stay mad at this? Why would I even stay irritated? Like, no, I'm, I'm done. I'm not going to I'm not going to do this. But like that was a moment. And Cody knows that I adore him and love him. And like bygones are bygones. Yeah. But like this is it's 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 comparable to and, and the with segment. Cody. Sometimes you just got to be like, sun's getting real low, big guy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it was just, it was just one of the first things that kind of just popped into my head because it's, I think it's the most recent thing that I've had an interaction with. I mean, obviously with COVID, like I'm not seeing a great deal of people, so that was that. Uh, and uh, once again, Cody, you are you are genuinely a great person. So please, again, take this segment with a grain of salt. Mine goes out to a buddy. I, I've talked about him before. His name is Aaron Polston, and we have had a up and down relationship as well where grew up very good friends and a girl came into the picture not um, a woman not a woman not a which woman became his ex-girlfriend <laughs> and then time passed and i started dating her and our relationship took you a son of a no, 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 like and there was nothing there was no shadiness or trickery or nothing. This was the time in between. We were all But you gandered. <laughs> you gandered, sir. You gandered. Yeah, no. <laughs> but I could, I instantly could tell that he was not okay with that. He was not over it. And I had 
crossed the line with him for him. And it was kind of game on of like our, the, the wedding ring was tossed in the fucking toilet. Let me tell you. And a good year or two, we were not cool. And to go from like being very cool with someone to nope. Oh shit. But when we, he was actually a little bit before me. So he was actually our squad boss. We had a couple of weeks where we were still kind of feeling each other out, where I think that he was getting over some of those feelings, even though neither of us were dating that girl anymore and it was all in the past, but there was still that kind of residual distaste for each other. And we put it aside and it was gravy from there. And we are, you know, we're good friends now. Were there ever any backhanded uh, uh, comments like, you know, you guys are sitting around having chow and does anyone want seconds? And he's like, yeah, Nathan will take seconds. No, I wouldn't doubt that some, <laughs> some jabs like that. That was good. That was good, Jack. <laughs> That's, yeah. man. Point point to Jack. Uh, so um, the proverbial wedding ring in the toilet was almost the proverbial uh, wedding ring in the toilet. Anna, you get in here. Um, <laughs> this, 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 is, this, is, this is something that Ed and I have, you, have discussed before. Have but uh, when I was ramping up to propose to Anna, like I bought the wedding ring on the sly. What? Uh, you know, I had it shipped to work. Uh, I hid it in the closet, and then I was going about arranging the proposal. So my sister and her husband, my my brother-in-law, was uh, uh, in the Air Force, and one of his former squad mates was living in L.A. with his wife, and I had met them before. And so I had arranged that they would come down to Manhattan Beach, where I, I proposed to my wife, and Anna had no clue. I was like, oh, let's go walk on the beach. We got a few hours before dinner. You know, we're, we're here. We might as well. You know, with like the wedding ring in my pocket, and uh, they were going to be down there just because Anna didn't know who they were uh, and they were going to be down there. And I told them like, we're, I'm going to walk out to the second lifeguard station off like the North end of this pier. And like, we walked out there and we were looking at the houses and I spotted him and he Lando gave me like the, like the little on the sly salute. And so I'm trying to arrange this. And then I'm also texting my family and you guys like, you know, all right, it's coming up. Like, we're going to do this. This is going to happen. It's, it's happening. <laughs> uh, but I'm still still trying to keep it a surprise. And so, like, Anna, this is when we were still living at the townhouse, of course. And she had gone upstairs to use the bathroom. And while she was in the bathroom, I was, I was texting, like, arrangements, like, using my sister as a go-between. And she comes down and, like, I'm smiling as I was doing uh, because it's, like, this is going to be a great occasion. And Anna's like, why is it every time I leave the room and come back, you're smiling? And, like, she got a bit huffy. And, but, again, the spirit of the segment... This, the spirit of the segment is that, like, both parties not easy being a cast iron bitch in the wrong. Like, I was being and a lot of people suspicious. don't appreciate it. <laughs> you tell them, Anna. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 Jack, you, so you I was are, being sus, you were being but sus. you were being like, very sus. I'm being sus. 
because I'm going to propose to marry you. And she comes down and she's like, and like storms off to bed. And I'm like, what's the return policy? 60 days, no question asked. I swear to God. And I was like, no, no. I am being suspicious. All right, we'll, we'll let this ride. We'll discuss this after the the engagement. But but that was almost the uh, the wedding ring plus toilet equals blue hand for me. Why didn't you tell me? Oh. She's like, I felt so bad. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, segment number two, Queen Bitch. Uh, Lindsay starts as almost an antagonist. Uh, she has sharp elbows and isn't afraid to speak her mind, has opinions that aren't always popular, and yet without her, the station would have likely perished, Virgil would have been killed, and without him, the bomb would have gone off. She's not often wrong and a born leader. Do you have someone in your life, a family member, a friend, a coworker, that sometimes you beat your head against the wall and say, yes. You are completely right, but can we not be such a bitch or asshole about it? Yep, I do, and I will take lead on this one. And, Shamey, if you somehow are listening to this, my (laughs) stepsister, I love you, and I'll say this to your face, but you are, Lindsay, on this, you are a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) And I'll tell you to your face, you, you are, but you are... You are my junkyard dog. I fucking love you. But that's that was why her nickname was Junkyard Dog at 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 work because she would just be the biggest bitch to you and just rah, 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 rah. she'd go after tenants for all not comments paying. and opinions are not reflective of Real Foes podcast only Nathan Zimmerman. <laughs> Please subject all complaints to Nathan Zimmerman. <laughs> at twitter.com. Yeah. Um Real Feels Podcast 2021 team. But, pro- but, but the problem with that is that she's not wrong, and she has her work done. Shani is, is meticulous. She does her notes. She does her... She, does, she crosses her T's and dots her I's, so that way, when you don't, she can unfucking load her wrath and if you cross her, like, she's very forgiving, she's very loving, but if you cross her and are not in that, uh, stature, off with your head. Like, she will rain down fire! Total platonic <laughs> reversal. And I, I love Shaney, and she knows what she, how she can be sometimes, rough around the edges, but deep down inside, she is... She has a heart of gold, and I, uh, and it, it does show very shiny at times. But then there are times when it's it's hard to get to. And I love you, Shaney. I love you so much, but you're a bitch sometimes, a lot of times. And I love you. <laughs> uh, I'll I'll take the next one. My sister Amy. I love her to death. Also, no um, feels are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I love her. I love her to death, but you know exactly where you stand. Anybody, the waiter, the guy behind the desk at the hotel knows immediately where they stand with my sister. Because if you don't treat her with respect or if you try to disagree or just be a shit, uh, she's going to let you know. But at the same time, like, if you want a straight unadulterated opinion on anything does this tie match this suit 
anything at all, she will give you the full unbridled truth of whatever you're asking her about. And sometimes that truth can fucking sting. But also, like, I can see her, like, and we we talk, uh, you know, about once a week. And sometimes we talk about my mom because my mom's getting a little older. And, you know, we see some of the things that my grandparents would do and my mom. And I can sense my sister getting wound up. And you're just sort of like, all right, Amy, like, let's pump the brakes a little bit. Like, she is our mother. I don't think this is worth getting the authorities involved in here. It's it's fine. It'll be fine. But there's also been times where you guys are being mistreated uh, in public at an outing. Or I remember my sister, uh, she w- went to University of Cincinnati. I went to University of Dayton, and I was a freshman and uh, she came and visited for for siblings weekend, and she was she was a senior in in college at that point, and so we took her out, and we were going to go to some parties, and there were some guys that were being a dick to me and my friends, and my sister like walking up to like these fucking football players, and my sister is like fucking five 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 six, and and maybe a hundred and thirty pounds on a on a sopping wet day just dressing down these guys like how it, it was it, it's a sight to see but god damn sometimes she can be a real bitch yeah and i love that about her well, you take the good with the bad and sometimes it it swings the door swings both ways sometimes true what bridge would you like to burn no i'm just so, kidding i'm kidding i'm kidding man i <laughs> it's all right my sister's I'm, got three kids she's never gonna listen to this podcast but i feel like if shaney or your sister do listen to it they're just gonna be smoking a cigarette going damn right like you tell them how much <laughs> it's just, is it like <laughs> sharpening the knives my brother can be incredibly frustrating at times because he will he'll always have an opinion on something and a lot of it is coming from like what he thinks is right. And yet he'll be very stubborn about it. And don't get me wrong. Like I can be stubborn myself, but man, he's, he's just super aggravating at times when he has to like try and put his foot down about various topics. And some of the stuff, I mean, I think it's coming from like a dad's point of view. You know what I mean? Like if, if uh, I have an option to like, hey, we could do this with, you know, Abby or we could watch this or listen to this or I'm going to cook this for dinner. And he'll he'll like sometimes just put like a foot down to it or like, no, like we're not going to do this. We're not going to watch that. Like we're she wants to watch this. And I'm like, but she chose this. And she's like, but no, no, she watches this all the time. And I don't know. Sometimes it can be it can be super frustrating uh, with the way that he kind of just wants things his way. And thinks that he's right about it. And not 100% of the time is that going to be the case. But it's more to the case of sometimes it's just better just whatever. Okay, fine. We'll just we'll just let this happen. And yeah, that's really that. I don't really have a lot of people in my life where it comes to the point of where they, they're like the character of Lindsay. Not a great deal of like animosity is going to be stemming from someone who is that hard. It's, it's a weird character, it. but it's well written to the point where when it when it is relatable and well portrayed. You, yeah, I mean, that's I see Shaney in that character where 
you know, the passion that I have for her, my, the love for my stepsister is, you know, is intense. I, I really truly care about her. And I know that she knows what she's doing. And especially when she's talking about football, I fucking hate, like, I'm like, shut up. Like, I don't want to hear about the Rams. Like, I don't want to hear about them. Like, (laughs) (laughs) I I know for a fact, like my sister taking her car to the mechanic at a couple of times in her life, the mechanic has tried to take advantage of the fact that she was an unaccompanied single woman. And they tried to make up some charges or upsell her on work that didn't need to be done. And I know for a fact that there is some mechanic somewhere that has watched my sister get out of her car after being there three times (laughs) that day and going, oh, great. Here comes Queen Pitch. (laughs) (laughs) Because she's not going to stand. She's not going to be fucked around with. And and that's the same with Lindsay. I, I think that that was the spirit. Of the uh, the segment there, yeah. Uh, shall we move on to segment number three? I think so. So the the overall theme of segment number three, I can't take total credit for. Uh, one of my electives in uh, school was a course in science fiction. And Ooh. this was sort of the overall impetus and direction that the class was sort of exploring about how science fiction you know, some of its roots and how it sort of evolved over time. So this segment is called NTIs. At its core, The Abyss is very much a sci-fi extraterrestrial encounter movie. These types of stories have changed greatly since War of the Worlds first assaulted the radio waves in the late 1930s. For much of the pre- and post-war period, alien visitors were viewed as invaders. Much of the fear that America had during nuclear proliferation and the Cold War was mirrored in the science fiction of that time. Uh, Some of this can be exemplified by movies such as The Day the Earth Stood Still. This trend began to change in the late 1970s with movies like Close Encounters of the Third Kind. The aliens began to change from malevolent invaders to benevolent beings. And after more than a decade of war in Vietnam, political scandals such as Watergate, it became the government that was viewed in these films as the malicious or untrustworthy entity. Can you think of another genre or movie type that has changed with the tides of culture and time? Uh, in what way is it now different, and is this a good or bad change in your opinion? True. Why don't you go first? Sure. Uh, so I was honestly thinking about found footage cinema, and more to the case of how like found footage cinema has kind of affected the horror industry. And I mean, a lot of people, when they think of found footage horror, like the first thing that comes to mind is the Blair Witch Project. And I mean, there are older films where it is found footage. Uh, If you take like 1980s and uh, Cannibal Holocaust, like this is a film that is also found footage. And it's not obviously in the same decade of of the found footage horror, much like the, the Blair Witch Project. But it still is impactful. And Blair Witch was something so brand new for people. Like people left the theater terrified, nauseous. Because they thought it was real. And so it's so great to see something like this where it has really nice, not so much innocent because obviously it's horror and there's going to be like shocking things to go with it. But you've had such a a grand development even for film. And it's, it's coming to a pace of 
it's so inventive. It's no longer someone just like holding a camera. It's people like setting up the camera on a tripod. It's coming from like uh, CCTV footage that's being played as part of the movie itself. I mean, when you take films like Paranormal Activity or the original the original trilogy of, of Wreck or the remake of Wreck, which was also called like con- contained contaminated containment contagion either way there's like a building and people are infected and they're turning into quarantine yeah quarantine why is it containment weird that i knew that drew god (laughs) you're (laughs) our regional whore expert (laughs) (laughs) so i mean so things like that like it's and it's so kind of like terrifying with it and you have almost films that do a found footage kind of like style where they go from the person's perspective of the camera. Like if you watch Don't Breathe, okay, when the girl's in the basement and all the lights are out and they're following her going in and out of like this alleyway of like shelves and it's all done in night vision and they're trying to follow the main villain to the catcher. Things like that. It's so inventive. It's so creative. And it's it. I think it seems a great deal uh, more real than what a lot of horror really tries to imagine these days. So I think people will get into it a lot more. Many, many, many more of horror is is brought into the fray, especially for found footage horror. And they're getting, again, like I said, more inventive of it. Like there was a whole horror film filmed on an iPhone. And it's not, it wasn't half bad. So I, I think- talk about Bad Ben. <laughs> No, no, I'm not talking okay. about that, Ben. Uh, this was one I can't think of the name, but it's a woman who's in, like she's falsely imprisoned. And I say imprisoned loosely, but she's put into like a mental institution and she's there not uh, of her own free will. But the entire thing was filmed on an iPhone and it's it was done so well. I mean, it's not the same thing as like found footage horror, but like what what would you find like found footage on? Like if you take a movie like The Gallows. The gallows is done like from the perspective of someone holding their phone. Right. And I mean, even if you take certain scenes in like the descent, OK, they take out their phone, they turn on night vision and then they can see what's around them. It's getting more and more creative. It's getting more and more innovative. And I think a lot more engaging. So found footage horror. You or me, Jack. Go for it, Nathan. OK, my uh, NTI is live action remakes that have a animated predecessor and <laughs> the it, it, focusing kind of primarily at the start of 2000s where you have Lord of the Rings, the Grinch, the story of the original concept and stay as true to the, the source material as possible it, with deviating very little to to fill any type of agenda or to push any narrative that the company kind of sees fit, which sadly Disney later on is the, uh, the poster child of pushing agendas or, well, let's pull this character out because it's a little bit controversial and we're going to push that, you know, this empowerment or, or this, breed race of culture is stronger and it's like no 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 just stick with like mulan mulan was a story that i thought they fucked up i did not like mulan at all because 
one, you take out one of the the best parts of Mulan. Uh, Mushu is just hilarious. It's a hilarious little dragon. Why not? And they they added this like shape changing witch. Well, I, I think at its witch. core, it's it's uh it's like trying to cash the same check twice, and a lot of it. This isn't as as widely known as I thought it was, but a lot of the the impetus and the drive behind doing some of these live action remakes is to keep the uh, intellectual property from becoming public domain. Yes, uh, the same thing. You know, that's why Sony uh, would release a a Spider-Man crap every once in a while. The spider turd. <laughs> a spider. I love the Tobey Maguire ones, and then after that, uh, <laughs> but I, I I also think that they they see the opportunity to cash in hard where the nostalgia brings from the parents going, oh shit, this is hey, I watched this movie as a kid. You're gonna love Pete's Dragon, like I loved it as a kid, and they go watch this live remake and go, hey. I'm sorry that this is like shit on a stick, but you and you have um, a lot of things that happen in the film that you go, well, that's not that's not original. That's not like, no, 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 no. Don't believe what they're the lies are. You know, this is what uh, Scar originally said, you know, and you you defend the canon of the original because the remake just tries to twist it a little bit to reach an audience that you're like, well, wait a minute, that that wasn't me. Why did you feel the need to add that? And some stuff doesn't go too far over. I think Aladdin having a couple of, you know, having a song about women empowerment is is fine. It's not, it doesn't deviate from the story or anything like that. But some of the core parts of it kind of do. Again, Aladdin wasn't as bad as I think Mulan, but... They've my trust in taking an original and and not shitting the bed with their own like, oh, well, you know, it's a great idea. And we'll throw in some put Donnie Yen in there and everybody's going to love Mulan. Like, no, it it takes more than that. So and you have you have the Lord of the Rings, which I think is just perfect in, in its entirety that took the story to heart and didn't want to it wanted to do it so much justice where i don't feel that that's where disney and a lot of like those kind of come from of like we gotta nail the true source of it because the true source of the material is actually pretty fucking dark and horrible and oh some like yeah like cinderella and grimm's fairy tales yeah yeah, 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 yeah. it's super dark so i get i get that that they're not trying to be true to that anyways i've talked enough about this jack your turn go you know i i wasn't sure if, if one of you guys would pick this or not uh so i i ended up passing on it i was originally going to do sort of how war movies had changed uh that was one of the things that i dabbled in uh which which is a a whole interesting conversation maybe for another time i'm sure we're going mm-hmm. to hit a another war movie genre uh pick at some point we have quite we, we have a few uh, of them uh so i went with uh with something that that i've noticed uh you know in the past few years that some of my favorite movies they don't exist anymore they're not made and they're it is the spoof it is your airplane one of my favorite cult classic gems is top secret the naked gun series i'm always happy to sit down and watch the naked gun series but these movies aren't 
going to make, you know, $500 million. And the studios don't want to do that sort of thing anymore. They would rather pour their resources into Avengers 15 or, or fucking like the dozenth person to play Batman in my lifetime. They'd rather do that so they can get return on their money. So we don't see space balls and some of these great just just a gag a minute movies anymore just because they're not they're no longer profitable or profitable enough to be relevant and uh mm-hmm. you know you could say well what about you know the scary movie or, or what about you know like not another teen movie like those are just and, and those aren't yeah. even made anymore but those were no, just they and those you know in the uh the late 90s and, and early aughts when those were, were getting made they were pale comparisons with their predecessors and they became way too topical where all the jokes were like shit that happened in the news like two weeks ago or, you know, like Britney Spears, like shaving her head or something like that. Uh, Whereas, right. They had to be released at a particular time. So like if, if, if you were, I feel like if you were born, you know, after the year 2000, you could go back and watch airplane. And it would still make sense. Like, you would still laugh your ass off at that movie. You could go oh, back yeah. and watch Top Secret, like, and just the the riotous gags. Like, the one of my favorite scenes and surprises from, from Top Secret is when they're sort of having the Indiana Jones uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark fight in the military vehicle. And they both get thrown off over the bridge railing into the water. And they descend into an underwater western bar fight yep and it's just like you're sitting like what the fuck is going on i love those movies and i i kind of wish like every once in a while like you you don't want something too heavy you don't want to watch a scary movie you've had enough superheroes like just give me some stupid shit to laugh at but that's not that's no longer around or it's it's become like american pied that it's got so much raunch and fucking tits in it that it's like well you know you you can't always have your cake and eat it too like do you want to do american pie and porkies or do you want to do airplane or and uh top secret uh but you know it's it's a breed that has died out and i think mm-hmm. that uh, that our culture is sort of missing that ability just to laugh at the, the laugh at the absurdity of some of the things that are happening you know yeah absurd comedy i agree it's something that like i grew up with and i absolutely loved like all of the Hot Shots movies. Oh, God, I love Hot Topper. Watching Mafia. Mafia. Spy Hard. The Man Who Knew Too Little. I mean, just stuff like that. I absolutely love. And I think, like, Jack, like, to the point where it's then, like, now, if, like, at least the later, the later movies where it did get a little too raunchy, at least, like, for my opinion, at some, at some points where it was not, it was not as funny. It wasn't as funny anymore. And I think it was when I went to the theater and I went and saw Epic Movie. Okay, and I was it funny when the girl like approached the wardrobe and they're making fun of Lion Witch in the wardrobe and she is like getting ready to go like to Narnia and shit. And she like opens the door and all this junk falls out and hits her. Is that funny? Yeah, that's actually kind of comical because it breaks the tension and you think something great is going to happen. But she gets hit with like the junk that they stuffed all in the in the wardrobe. But then like a naked woman just runs out and just like, you know, gallops away while her, you know, her tits are bouncing away. And I'm like, that's why was that just like an excuse to put like a naked woman? Why? What was the point of that? 
I don't know. It, it broke. It broke the comedy for me. And it uh, from there, it just went downhill. I think the only movie that actually is that current styling, but it, it, it's even more to a different set of extremes are the Borat films. Yeah, but that's Currently. that's almost uh, and again that's but, a, but that's a, a hybrid too, beast. like cringe and, and shock. Whereas, like, just give me like a clever joke. Like, I know a little German. He's right over there as she points I at the as the, the little person dressed in 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 lederhosen. Like, just that's just little part. gags. Like, like all the the French resistance fighters. Like, chocolate mousse, soup du jour. Uh, you know, like they—they're just you know, like, or he, you know, they're—they're they're banging out the uh, their guns on the window pane so they could shoot at the Germans, and like the one guy bends his gun, can't even break the window panes, and then the other guy is playing like tic tac toe, where like they're shooting out O's and he's like knocking X's into it, like it just gets more and more absurd, like the goddamn cow with the combat boots. Uh, yes. it just, uh, or, or the, the, uh, the, the under deep cover, uh, contact, like he gets crushed in his car, but she still has the conversation with him. And it's like the window wipers are going off the yeah. washer fluid. Like, it. like it's just absurd stuff, but it's not like, Oh, remember last week would like, you know, so in like this this reality TV star did this or like you know the other oh, spoof in the Kardashians like they didn't keep it so topical that uh, somebody twenty years from yeah. now would be like what the hell are they talking about like it's just good <laughs> fun humor without being over the top ranch or or like I think Naked Gun at, at least the first couple ones really towed the line really well where she ascends the the ladder. And uh, Elizabeth Nielsen's looking up her skirt. He's like, no, he's a like, nice beaver. And she like hands him down the the, the stuffed <laughs> beaver. She's like, thanks. I just got it stuffed. Like, this is great humor, man. But we just don't see it anymore unless it's it's wrapped up in the form of like a rom-com or like a, like a raunchy turn of the age, like teenage movie. Like you just don't get a good spoof anymore. Like it's, it's, it's something else. It's just not there. I did have a honorable mention and that was whodunits. I think whodunits have really, besides knives out has gone the way of the Dodo. They tried to do the Orient express and which was awful. That version was awful. uh, Oh, come on, Drew. Come at us. If there, no, no, no. If there is, I'm not saying it's one. I'm not saying close the blast doors. Close the blast doors. I'm not saying it's a fantastic film. I will say, you know, the portrayal of Hercule Poirot, I think, is done well. And I'm excited that they're doing Queen of the uh, uh, Queen of the Nile, Death on the Nile, Death on the yes. Nile. Yes, yes. I keep keep going. I like the character. However, yeah, the actually, I saw this morning that uh, mm-hmm. Liam Neeson has now been signed on to do a, uh, a Philip Marlowe movie. Uh, that will be a production but he plays like an older Marlowe, like in like the the 50s or something like oh so it's almost gonna be like ian mckellen playing like older sherlock holmes yeah yeah exactly okay okay and i like i i understand why they're not in mass production because once you've watched it there's a lot less re replayability in you know, in Knives Out or in the ABC murders with uh, John Malkovich than there are with Civil War you know, Avengers or, uh, you know, the other, like you talked about, just the popcorn 
blockbuster hit that's like, yeah, this superhero's origin story. Okay, cool. Or this Batman. That's great. So, yeah, my honorable men. All right, very cool. good. Well, uh... Oh, go ahead. Patreon. Are we? No. Uh, so uh, Patreon. Uh, all right. Patreon's Ooh. a little pricey. <laughs> this is the, the deep core experience. 40 million. No, 50 million. Okay. Uh, <laughs> More than the movie. <laughs> we, we are, we are going to uh, see if the, uh, the abandoned half finished nuclear uh, reactor pool is still available. We will rebuild and recreate the, uh, the deep core and it will be a, a 24 hour escape room experience where uh, once everybody has been uh, taken down to the uh, the deep core some of them will be dealt cards that indicates that they are experiencing psychosis and uh, it's gonna have what's that uh, game that all the kitties like to play where things are sus oh among us among us among us it'll be sort of an among us escape room where uh you're maybe the uh the date or your spouse who you're with is uh experiencing psychosis and is actively working against your ability to escape and survive oh, oh. and plus you get to get wet it's a good summer experience <laughs> go for a nice like swim a in wet. the moon pool all right. uh, so that yeah, so, who doesn't like to freak out way so down below? So that's the deep the core earth. experience. Just a cool earth. fifty million dollars. We won't skim any of it for ourselves. Spend no expense. expense. Right now. Mm. Um, what would you guys rate this movie? <laughs> I would I would give it a five out of seven deep gulps of air right before <laughs> it drowns. Uh, it later will be resuscitated, and it's a good rewatch, but. It's a movie that I think that it does well, ending kind of a little bit rocky, but it's a movie that I I enjoy a good watch and then a good hibernation. It's not something that I'm going to put on every year or every two or every three, but every five. Absolutely. Put it on and ooh, yeah. oh yeah, oh yeah, this is good. So that's my rating. Drew? <laughs> So again, kind of like how Nathan was saying, like, I mean, it's it's a it's a great film. I think it was I mean, not even think it obviously was incredibly innovative, winning an Academy Award for special effects and all the work that went into it and everything that you should be kind of like taking into consideration and calculating for 1989 when this was made. I give it a very strong four out of five. I don't think it's perfect. It's it can sometimes be a little bit slow in some cases. I think maybe even I might prefer another like underwater kind of like adventure thriller kind of thing. But it's still great and it's fun. But yeah, four out of five. All right. Uh, before I give my rating, uh, we're going to give one quick shout out to the uh, the composer who did the uh, the music for this movie, Alan Silvestri. Because he is got quite the pedigree. Uh, Romancing the Stone, Back to the Future, Flight mm-hmm. of the Navigator, a, a real feels yes. uh, catalog movie. Both of the Predators, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Yes. You know, there is just a he he really did, and this was his only collaboration with James Cameron. So I, I did want to give him Grumpy Old Men. Yeah, I, I love that movie. Forrest Gump. <laughs> he did the movie he did music for Forrest Gump, Richie Rich, Quick of the Dead. One of uh, Drew's favorites, uh, Judge Dredd. Uh, Sergeant Bilko, even. But my rating for this is going to be three out of four hermit crabs crawling out of the dead man's mouth. 
<laughs> you know, it's for it, it is worth watching just solely on its merits. Uh, and again, we've mentioned this before, but I really think there is something to that Goldilocks of the best practical special effects that money can buy with that burgeoning CGI. Great actors, great story, great direction, great music. It's, I don't think anyone would be disappointed with this movie besides saying, uh, the ending yeah. could have twisted out a little differently. But, you know, it gave me the feels and, and that's why I picked it. So three out of four hermit crabs out the dead man's mouth. And it's, it was a good pick. It was a good watch. Yeah. I think it was a great. Yeah, for a, was, for a, a moment, for a hot second, I almost uh, went with Master and Commander, the far side of the world. But uh, that maybe. But this was the le- le- the lesser of two weeks. Exactly, exactly. And this this had this had more of the feels. Spear didn't have any any time. Oh, I that, love Spear. Yeah, Spear is one of those things that I saw a meme the other day where it's like, uh, oh, this is a good movie. And then the, the meme is like the person that read the book and they're just like, no, no, no it's not. Because <laughs> uh, I've read Spear. And, uh, was that like the and, fat little child in the chair? It's like, like no, an old no, scoop? Yeah. I yeah. read Spear like right before it came out and I was really disappointed with it as far as it's, it's how it book. was adapted. So yeah, Spear on, was, Spear was never jellyfish. even a, a a blip okay, on the radar okay, okay. all right but um all right anything else guys we wrap this up uh, uh yeah i think i think we're good uh coming up next we have actually you know what a special announcement we decided to change up nathan's genre from tragedy and we are going to be celebrating our lgbtq genre theme to wrap up the end of pride month it's not your it's Very not your well. typical so pick so um <laughs> apologize but not apologize to everyone out there it, this is the one that gives me the feels and that's all that fun and that's matters. all that matters that's all that matters so after that we'll wrap up pride month with nathan's lgbtq themed movie and then coming after that i'm bringing you guys vacation films right in time so for I'm, the height of summer oh Right in time for the height of summer. I'm I'm very much excited for that. And uh, after that, it'll uh, it'll come back to Jack. So I mean, hey, he doesn't have to decide right now unless he has oh, no, no. Mind. I think I've already decided, and it was going to be oh, Christ on a cricket. No, I don't have to decide right now. I will I will let you, you know don't. the next one. It's just going to be us listening to Jack play Mass Effect. That's that. <laughs> <laughs> so Jack, where are you at right now? Oh well, right now a uh, shepherd is uh, <laughs> up to <in> ambush. <laughs> no. Well, uh, guys, hey, thank you for joining us, and be sure to catch us up on all of our social medias: Facebook at Real Feels Podcast, up on Twitter and Instagram, the Real Feels Podcast. Send us a email at Real Feels Podcast at gmail.com and of course guys if you always want to call the tooch line please call 661-376-0030 please call the tooch line leave a voicemail we'd absolutely love to hear from you i also have a special treat mario did get back to us and he did give us as to why he loves sleepers so much so so guys hey Hit us up on social media. It's the best way to get in contact with us. Call the Tooch line, leave a voicemail. But if none of those are fitting your fancy, always go over to the Apple podcast app. And guys, give us a five star review. It helps. Landing gear. 
<laughs> it helps to get our name out there and make sure that everybody is getting those feels. So, guys, thank you for joining us. Come back to us in another two weeks for a new movie with a different genre. Make sure to check out our in-between episodes of What Are You Watching? And we will see you next time. And as always, remember, you're the realist. And the fight, you bitch! <laughs> You've never given up on anything in your entire life! Fight! Fight! <laughs>